been talking about this now several weeks, and uh, Unshakable is uh, the book that I had the opportunity to write the forward to for my, one of my pastor's coaches, Dr. Nelson Searcy. And we talked about Unshakable, um, and we talked about the storm of temptation, you know, the storm of fear, the storm of doubt, the storm of family issues, marital issues, um, the storm of uh, significance as far as who am I, and, or, or storm of purpose, rather. What is my meaning and purpose in life? Why do I live? And so today, I want to go into another area. It's quite, not quite as popular, but it is very important, just as important. In fact, it is the storm of financial stress. Now, here's the premise of the book. Storms are coming. Just look at your neighbor and say that. Storms are coming. Now, whether it's the storm of death or illness or, or doubt or whatever, storms are coming. You need to be ready to, to deal with the storm when it gets here. So how do you make that decision and how do you um, prepare yourself? Well, here's the other the part of the book. Knowing that storms are coming is you can survive any storm as long as you are on the right foundation. If you're on the right foundation, you can survive any storm. Now, Jesus is the right foundation. He's the stone that the builders rejected. The same has become the chief of the corner. Are you with me? So welcome today to Unshakable in our uh, slated to be the last uh, preaching message, but I may do something next week as well. I'm not sure. We'll let you know. But the storm of financial stress, is there anybody here that has ever felt any financial stress? Can I see your hand? All right. Most of us have, and the rest of us are lying. Are y'all with me? <laughs> yeah. So uh, you see, Oscar Wilde said, the problem lies in reconciling my gross habits with my net income. <laughs> A good friend of mine and pastor, uh, Brother Terry Mack, used to say, uh, some of y'all got shotgun habits on BB gun bank accounts. I like to fell out when I heard him say that up in Eastman one time. <laughs> but I want you to know that we have somebody to help us. If we would just follow the book, um, if we, here's what Jesus said. If we, are trust, or if we are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust us with the true riches of heaven? If, another, if we cannot be trusted with worldly things, and in another place, if we cannot be trusted in little matters, I mean, some of us say, well, if I just had a million dollars, you can't even manage a thousand. Hello? Well, if I just had a Cadillac, you ain't even took care of the Yugo. So here's what I, I know. You need to know this. Everyone here, everybody can survive the storm of financial stress. Now, you've already raised your hand, so I know everybody's got it. Everybody's lived it, and everybody knows that it's lurking. It's, you know, it's kind of out there. You know, we got Doppler radar to tell us when these hurricanes are coming. Sometimes we're not as aware about financial stress coming in financial situations because it's the little things that seem to mount up. Are you with me? And in all, and you know, how many of you know, I don't care. You say, well, I got an extra payday this month. I took on an extra side job. Don't y'all know like the transmission goes out. The refrigerator quit working. Huh? The dishwasher went on the fritz or whatever it is. And then there goes your extra money. 
Here's what you got to understand, though. You and I must plan for the future. We must plan our paychecks. Uh-oh. Now, this ain't going to be super spiritual for you, but I, I just want you to know, I have made some, some boneheaded mistakes before. Now, I know y'all probably too smart for that. But I remember when I moved here to Kingsland, I was driving a Ford Aerostar van. It was a white Ford Aerostar. It was all I needed for my family. It had an air conditioning problem. Down here in the South, that is a real problem. And so it was only about two years old, but I took it over to the Ford place in Douglas for uh, them to work on that AC problem. So they working on that dual AC situation. And while they're working on the dual AC situation, I just happened to meander around the lot. So I got looking and I saw a green Ford Aerostar. I said, man, this one's 18 inches longer than mine. I really need that space because I could put another suitcase back there. You know, you got Kelly or, but I had Carly too. And anyway, but I, you know, I, I need some more room for luggage. And I said, you know, this one has the bigger engine too. And I need that. <laughs> you know, so I messed around. I got thinking about that thing. Well, they fixed, and you know, the problem is a salesman. He was a real salesman. He said, he said, pastor, you liking that, that green Aerostar? He said, i tell you what, I'll let you drive that thing for a couple days while we work on yours. I should have knew right then that was the devil, but I didn't. I drove that thing home. And so the salesman knew what he was doing. So when I went back to get mine, he said, well, I've worked up these numbers here and I'll tell you the truth. Man, you can probably get into this thing. It won't be but little less than $100 a month of what you're paying right now. Now, listen, I done left Claxton and come here. I couldn't even hardly pay attention. But I, y'all with me? I, that's broke when you can't even pay attention. And so I done convinced myself that, you know what, man? Uh, I'm going to get a raise. Something's going to work out. And I can afford $100 more payment when I couldn't even really afford the payment I had. So I signed up. Y'all with me? I signed up and boy, that thing smelt new. And it was nice. And all of these things. But for the next five years, are y'all with me? And for the next 20 some odd thousand dollars. Are you with me? Because I was upside down in what I was in. And then I had a thousand dollar repair. And I had all of this craziness. But I left and come home and I'm riding high. That was a mistake I made. It was stupid on my part. I'm, I, I'm full responsible. Kelly wasn't even with me. I, I had I done crazy things, man. I went and joined the Air Force without her knowing a thing about it. One day I come home with a boat. And um, that's just not the things to do, brothers. I almost went to hell over all of them. <laughs> she was going to give me a one-way trip. But anyway... Dave Ramsey says that we often buy things that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people we don't even like. <laughs> Isn't that right? You see, most of our financial problems boil down to bad decisions. If I looked at our financial problems across the board, most of them boil down to bad decisions. You know what? I've had people, I remember back in my old days, I see people coming to the door. You know good and well they're selling something. They're selling water purifiers, vacuum cleaners, encyclopedias. Kids starving need to have some college money. And you know, and you could help them. And you're a pastor and you ought to help them and all that stuff. And man, I got calloused over the years. 
Y'all with me? Uh, and nonetheless, so um, I'm just simply saying, I've, seen, I've gone to the door and I wasn't buying no books. And when I got done, I done bought four books. Done paid $200 for a book I ain't never opened but twice. Sitting on the shelf. Kids never used them. I mean, you know how it is. But then there's somebody come along and they're selling meat. Y'all with me? Y'all been there? And, and you know, and so I hooked myself up one time and I bought all kind of groceries for a year. Like a fool. Are y'all with me? I ain't calling y'all no fool. I'm just saying if you, if you bought it, that's on you. But I was a fool. So let me just show you, um, uh, it's important for you to know that everybody can survive the financial onslaught and the storm of the finances because it is coming. Why is that important to know though? Because God wants you and I to live debt free. Now I'm not debt free. I'm getting close, but I still owe my house, still owe my truck. And about five more months on another account. Now, I'm not saying that God expects us to live to- totally debt-free, but here's the thing. He don't want us living. You know, here's what he said. Oh, no man, nothing except to love him. Woo. And, and I know that's tough. He said, how am I ever going to get a car? How am I ever going to buy a house? And I understand those arguments. So let me just plow on a little bit here. We have to have utilities. We have to have, you know, certain car payments. You don't have to, but... Um, if you're going to make it in this world, it's almost that you got to finance it. Unless, unless some of y'all can just go sell it right on down and that's okay. But we don't have to feel pressured to keep up with the Joneses. Do y'all know them? They're broke. They bankrupt. I know Jones is a popular name, so I'm not, you know, it's not the ones that's in the building with us. Y'all understand that, but, um, don't try to keep up with the Joneses. They made stupid financial decisions too, and that's why they are broke. We have to understand that debt is truly a bondage, and God does not want us to be enslaved to bondage. Did you know something? Uh, He who is debtor is slave to the lender. That's what Scripture says. If I'm a debtor, I'm enslaved to the lender. And so God wants us to live free. Think about it. What could you do if you didn't owe nobody nothing? Let's say this. What if you didn't know anything except your house payment? What would that do? Some of you, that would just free up all kind of money. You know, right? I need to move on because I got some stuff to show you. But here's the thing is we keep having to do certain things. We got to have this and we got to have our stuff. Isn't that right? Y'all with me? I, I mean, some of them is Starbucks coffee. Now, if I understand one, is there one coming to Camden? I, uh, you know, the only problem about that is you drive through there and that's $5 every day. Five, you know, times five days a week, that's $25. Just, and that's if you just go before work. So that's $100 a month in coffee. Or y'all, you know, it's cheaper to make it home. And then if you happen to go somewhere for lunch, you done spend another $10. Uh-huh, times five days, that's $50 a week. That's $200 a month. So we're up to $300 a month just in one coffee for breakfast and lunch every day. So if you could make your own coffee and brown bag it, man, you could pay off some debt. Are you with me? Say amen. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about this. But see, what happens is we get caught up with our stuff, you know, because we got to hit eBay and we got to hit Amazon. And it's just $5 here and $7 here and, and, you know, a few dollars here. And it's stuff, stuff, stuff. Have you ever heard about the way they trap monkeys? How do they, they catch monkeys? Now, I had a box at home out of wood and I forgot it. So I had to improvise. 
So I had one of my interns just make this up real quick for me. AJ, by the way. But anyway, this right here, if you think about this box, what they would do, they'd done it with a coconut shell or coconuts as well, but they'd have an opening back here where they could put a bunch of stuff in there. They could put some goodies in there. Maybe it's a banana, maybe it's nuts, whatever it is that monkeys like to eat. And then they would set that box up and they would chain that box to a tree. They'd chain that box to a tree. And then that monkey come along and he... He looks in there and he's, oh man, there's my stuff. Maybe it's an orange, maybe it's nuts, whatever it is. But he reaches his hand inside that box. And he reaches his hand inside that box and that hole is just big enough for him to get his hand in. He gets his hand in there and he grabs hold to his stuff. And he tries to pull his hand back out. But the guy hunting him is sitting, you know, just a, you know, 50 yards away. And he's got his hand in there, and the monkey, watch this, not smart enough to know that if I'll just let go, I could leave. But rather than letting go and running and saving his life, he says, I got to hold on to my stuff. And that's like us. We got our hand in the box, and we're holding on to our stuff, and we're crying. We want to be out there. God, I want to do more in the kingdom. I want to do this, but I want to hold on to my stuff so bad I'm going to stay here and die. And that's what happens. So the devil's got all kind of stuff in the box and we put our hand in the box and we won't let go. We will not let go. We got to have this extra, you know, we got five vehicles already, but we got to have this other one. We got to have this four wheeler and we got to have this side by side and we got to have, and I'm not knocking that. If you got all that stuff and you're doing well, praise God, but you make sure you're putting God first. I got to have this, I got to have that, I got to have the latest, the greatest. How many of you know the iPhone, listen, this thing was brand new two years ago. Ain't worth a flip today. Ain't even charging. I'm about to throw it away. Are y'all with me? You got to hold the thing just right, hold your mouth just right for it to charge. I can't got time for that foolishness. What's brand new today and looks great is going to be old in a few days. But they tell us we got to have the latest, we got to have the greatest, you know, on and on and on. So listen, the, let me say this, all the stuff, the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, James 1 and 17. And then he tells us to command, Paul says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to be, put their hope in their wealth or in your stuff, which is so uncertain. How many know stuff is uncertain? The stuff gets old. But put your hope in God who richly provides for us everything for our enjoyment. Listen, there's no hope in your stuff. There's hope in God. So now, here's what I need you to do today. So understanding that everybody can survive the financial storm, and the reason why is God wants you to live debt-free. And think about this. Man, some of you said to me, I'd love to go to Guatemala. Just think about it. What if thirteen dollars or $1,400 was a drop in the bucket? And you said, that ain't no big deal. That's just... A little bit of stuff. Huh? You sign me right up. The, the, the feeling. Oh, let me move on. I got to get through some of this. So let me get, here's what I need you to do. You need to make four decisions. Four decisions. Number one, here it is. You need to determine your priorities. Determine your priorities. Now, I know what's supposed to be first. We call ourselves a Christian, God comes first. When I do marriage counseling, I talk to couples, God is always first, your spouse is second, are y'all with me? Your children are third, and then your church, and it rolls out from there. 
I believe I can support that biblically. God is always number one. The spouse is always next. It's not the kids. I know some of y'all think that, but you are absolutely wrong. Your kids are given to you for about 18 years, sometimes 24. But nonetheless, we are given our spouses till death do us part. So the children will get up and they'll get grown. And someday, I know mom, you hang out with her, but one day she's going to find some guy that's going to steal her heart and she's gone. And you better know how to get along with him. Because it's going to be you and him in an empty nest. So listen, so let me give you a couple examples. Couple A makes $120,000 a year. That's not bad money. Couple B makes $120,000 a year. The difference is that couple A, while they make $120,000 a year, they spend $130,000 a year. And that is prevalent all around us. People are living on more than what they're making. And you cannot do that long. The rubber's going to meet the road. It's going to catch up to you at some point. Are you with me? Say amen. So couple B makes $120,000 a year, but they only spend $115,000. Which one of these do you think have more financial peace? Couple B. Why? Because they they spend $5,000 less than what they make. So let me move on. Financial peace has nothing to do with how much you make. Some of you say, well, if I made the kind of money Dave Ramsey made, let me tell you, Dave Ramsey's been broke and come back. He's been bankrupt and come back. So he sits in a position uh, to be able to speak to some of us about financial measures. Here's what I'm saying. It is not how much you make. It's what you do with what you make. So what are you putting first in your life? Priorities should be, as far as financially, God's tithe, the tenth, should be the first tenth that you always put away from your paycheck. I learned that just as a young kid with my dad. You tithe every dollar you make. That's how I do it. That's the Bible said, the tenth of all of my increase I will render unto the Lord. The tenth, not the fifth. Not the 17th, not not the 11th or the 8th, but the 10th. That's the requirement. And then offerings come beyond that. I give because I love to give. And here's what I have found out, that when I give, God gives back. And God has a much bigger hand. That's just the way it is. But I often talk to people and they're struggling, their finances. I say, well, how are you doing with your tithe? Well, we can't afford to pay tithe. (laughs) I said, well, well, either we take the Bible serious or we don't. Uh, You see, because we want all the blessings of God. I'm telling you it is a blessing because Jesus himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. How many of you remember when you were a kid? Man, Christmas is coming. We couldn't wait for Christmas Day. And now that you got older, you know what makes you so happy? At least it does me. Is to sit and talk with your spouse or whatever. What are we going to buy for the kids? What are we going to get? And nowadays, the grandkids. What are we going to? What are we going to do? Because why? We want to see their little eyes light up because we love giving. Your heavenly Father is a giver, and He loved giving. So let me move on. Here's what He said: Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, in Matthew six and thirty three. And all these things are going to be, uh, and you'll be given all these things as well. You know what the people were doing? They were worried about what? What about my shoes? Come on, ladies. What am I going to wear? What about my clothes? What am I going to put on? What about my house? Where am I going to live? 
What about my, my gas and all of this? And the Bible says in Matthew 6, he said, don't you know your heavenly father knows that you need these things? He said, I want you to consider the lilies of the field. They don't toil nor spin. Yet Solomon in all of his glory is not arrayed like one of them. He said, consider the sparrow. He don't plant nor sow. He don't gather into barns, but he's taken care of because our father sees that he's fed. How much more important are you than birds and lilies? God will take care of you. So trust in the Lord. Render unto him the tenth and believe him that he's going to take. Matter of fact, the 10% that you're stealing from God wouldn't help you out the mess you're in anyway. Most of us are in such a bad situation. I want to give you some hope. I got to give you some hope. I ain't trying to scold you. I'm just trying to tell you. Here's what the Bible said in Hebrews chapter 7. Let me paraphrase it for time's sake. On earth we bring tithe unto men. So you're here and you say, well, I'm paying tithe. And, you know, pastors, you know, up there. Josh is up there. So I bring my tithe. And Hebrews says, on earth it is unto men. It seems, but in heaven God, or Jesus, he says, receives that tithe. So we bring that to the Lord. Now, that is the tent. And I know we got house payments and this and that. But here's, so the first priority is uh, prioritize the first things. Um, the second is decide to get out of debt. You got to make a decision. I'm getting out of debt. Uh, I, I, got, I don't know if they made this as a slide or what, but there you go. Tithe and food, house payment, whatever. But um, let me just tell you about the Sains family deal. Now, I'm not proud of this, but this is what it was. Sains debt reduction. This four years ago, I owed Chase Bank about $16,000. You know how I told him today? Zero. Not a cent. Discover I owed over $8,000. I don't owe him a single dime. Home Depot. Boy, they'll hook you up, man, and give you all the credit you want. You know, me and Kelly, we said, we're going to do a few things around the house, and we're going to pay it. And you know what? Five years later, we're still paying that little minimum. But about three or four years ago, we made a decision. We said, we are getting out of debt. We walk four miles every morning and we talk about it. On Mondays of every morning, we get the budget book down and we write it out and we do it electronically and it goes, I don't know, Home Depot, a cent. That Jeep, I know it's 10 years old. Some of y'all think it's brand new. It's an 08, but I don't owe the bank nothing. Are y'all with me? Now, I did re-enlist with the truck. Now, I, I put a good down payment, but I got about two years to go. But I'm going to knock that out. So it'll be in five more. I got five more months with the Navy Federal Credit Union. Y'all with me? Because I had me a big one up there, too, about 17 grand. But I'm knocking it down, baby. How are you doing that, Pastor? Man, I'm tithing. I'm giving. I'm building furniture. I'm jumping out of airplanes. I'm doing everything I can do. And every dime I get. I put it on debt. Now, I'm not saying we don't never go out to eat. I'm not saying we don't never do anything. We're not that much of a Nazi about it. But we have made a plan that works for us. It's based off of Dave Ramsey's snowball deal that says, Mike and Kelly Sainz are getting out of debt, and we are. And we're going to be free that if I want to sponsor a missionary or a child or if I want to take a trip somewhere, I can do it and not have to worry about it and put it on no credit card. Now, let me say something to you while it's real quiet and it's all sinking in. What in the world could God do in this church? Because people like us, I mean, you just like us, you're in debt. Many of you, some of you are not, but then I praise God for you. But what if we all got to the point where God said, you know what? We need to just build phase two debt free. Yeah. 
I love the fact that I don't have to worry about Home Depot sending me no statement no more or Discover, nobody else, because I don't want to owe them anything. Uh, I can say this about the church. I had a staff meeting, a budget meeting just the other night. Well, Josh, or Ashley's here. Uh, I cannot, I mean, it was multiplied thousands of dollars of stuff. This church didn't borrow one dime. Paid every bit of it in cash. It is taken care of. It's done with. Now, you know what? I, I know we still got $1.4 million that we owe, but uh, you know what? We ain't racking up no more debt. Are you with me? We're doing the best we can. I'm not saying that we won't ever borrow any money, but I'm saying as God helps us, we're going to be smart and we're going to live debt free as, as much as possible. That, this happened with Kelly and I simply because we made a decision that we would get out of debt. We didn't take God's money to do it. Um, but we decided that this is going to happen, and we earmarked it, and we made sure it happened. If you don't meet regularly, though, it'll never happen. you got to meet regularly. Uh, you got to have a vision for it. What is vision, Pastor? It is the dissatisfaction with what is. As long as you're happy with, you know, I can hit McDonald's every day or Starbucks, as long as you're happy living like that, you will. But one day when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired and say, you know what, this is going to change. Then you have to pray about it. You have to see, see, because Kelly and I tried it before. In the old church, you know what? We went through Dave Ramsey. We, we did it at the church. She and I, we went through it because we was a pastor, but we, we didn't do it. We just went through it. How many of you know you got to make a decision? It's like reading the Bible. You can read it, but if you don't do it, you're still lost. So uh, I told you, you got to make your priorities. You got to decide to get out of debt. Third thing you got to do is you got to discipline yourself in small ways. You're not going to go, you know, and do all of that that I just now labeled in one time. Are you with me? It ain't going to happen like that. You have to save up a little money. First step was to save $1,000. Set it aside for emergencies. And then whatever side job, you know, you, you get up uh, $200 and put it on the smallest debt. And then just start snowballing. Pay that one off and take that with what that payment and then pay it on the next one along with what you was paying on this one and then take this one along with what you was paying on that one and keep doing it. Next thing you know, Lord, you'll say, oh my goodness, I'm making some headway. Small things, as I mentioned, the lunch, snacks, the start, you know, whatever. Luke 16, 10 said this, whoever can be trusted with, with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever will be dishonest with little, they'll be dishonest with much. And if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who's going to give you your own? No man can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one, love the other, or you'll be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Well, he didn't say you, you probably shouldn't. He said you cannot. So I want to show you a slide now, if I may. Uh, there it is. I don't know if you can see that or not, but this was the baby boomers. And they spend about 52% of their money eating out. Now, here's the one, something that struck me. The very bottom of the list is they spent 13.27% on alcohol. Can we slide that thing up and, and show this is the Gen X, this is my generation uh, eating out. We spend 62% of our money on eating out. But I want you to look at alcohol. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's moved on up. It's 22.7%. That's a lot of money. Y'all with me? Uh, so now let's ease on down to the millennials. That's the, this young generation, uh, eating out 72%, um, alcohol's number three at 27.36. That's almost 30% of your income on alcohol. That's a lot of drunkenness right there. 
That'll pay a lot of bills. And you take that one along with some other things. There's hobbies and activities. I know you can't take it all away, but streaming services are not almost 20%. Credit card interest, you know, uh, 17%. Uh, it goes on and on and on. And uh, you find yourself, I, I wish I had that whole thing. You see the whole thing in scope. But uh, I have another illustration I want to show you, Mr. Money here. And uh, there he is. We dress him up, and you can send him anywhere you want to send him. I can send him to Home Depot or the liquor store. Y'all with me? I can send him to church for tithe, or I can send him wherever I want to send him. Uh, but here's the thing. You got to direct that money. You got to budget that money and direct it. If you don't do it, financial stress is going to eat you up. Here's what I found. It's not good enough just to write it down on paper. Because for years, Kelly and I wrote budgets down on paper. If you write budgets down on paper and don't actually execute, it's just paper. You might as well start a fire with it. But you know what we, we would do on Monday mornings? Since we live in an electronic age and everybody does everything on their phones, that's why I'm telling you, they come, they check out our church right here. So we sat there. She's the budgetarian. So Miss Budgetarian, she opens that book up and says, we're going to pay $400 to this today. Okay? I'm the one scheduling the payment right then electronically. Bam. There it is. She's going, we're going to pay this one, this one. Bam. There it is. And this one. Bam. There it is. Every one of them. So when we get through, we have our coffee. See, in the morning, we call it Kelly time. That's, you know, we go walking, we come back. That's Kelly time. Anyway, so in that budget time, we get that thing done. And when we get through there with Kelly time, the bills are paid. I ain't got to worry about it. I'm going to go write a check somewhere. I'm going to do this. No, no. Electronically, it's already scheduled and it is done. We didn't just talk about it. We did it. And that meant we got to live within it because you know how it is. You can't go negative in the bank. All right. Anyway, y'all looking at me kind of funny. So if you don't have a budget and if you don't do something similar to that, your financial life is probably a wreck. And the storm is coming. Now, all right. Let, uh, uh, so make your priorities. Get out of debt. Don't let small things get you. What are small things? Coffee here, coffee there, candy bar here, little this, little that. Huh? Got to have, you know, all that. The fourth thing I want you to do is discover the joy of generosity. I want you to discover the joy of generosity. The, the, the hardest people in the world and the, the roughest people in the world, the meanest people in the world are stingy people. Did you know that? In fact, in the book, it talked about open-handed living. We'll just live with an open hand. I'm telling you, God blesses people who have a generous spirit. I, I know it sounds cliche, but you cannot outgive God. You say, I'm going to give $20,000. You can't outgive him. You'll mess around, and in your life, somehow it'll come back to you, and you'll say, oh, my God, I wish I'd have discovered this, uh, you know, 40 years ago. That's right. We cannot outgive God. So here's what I, I need you to think about is discovering the joy of generosity. 1 Timothy 6 and 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they will take hold of life and that is truly life. All of this is fleeting. All of this is passing by. Really and truly, only what I do in the kingdom of God is really going to last. Matter of fact, if the rapture takes place, the first one of y'all gets to my house can have it. Or the new truck. It's right outside my office. Keys on the desk. But when the Lord says this life's over, I don't have nothing else tying me here. 
Y'all with me? So what we do for eternity, that's why he said on this earth, moth eats our treasures, rust corrodes them, thieves break in and steal them. He said, but lay up treasures in heaven where moth cannot eat them and rust can't corrode them and thieves can't break in and steal them. So how much treasure are we laying up on that side? How much treasure are we laying up there? Now, y'all ought to relax. The offering has been received. Here's what he said. Matthew 6 and 19. Don't store treasures on the earth. Moth and vermin destroy it and thieves break and steal it. But store treasure in heaven. The moth and the vermin do not destroy it and their thieves do not break and steal it. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. You know what that word in the Greek means? Treasure? Deposit. Where your deposit is, there your heart is also. That's why in the 30s in the Depression, men climbed tall buildings and leaped off of them and jumped to their death. Why? Because their treasure was gone. And their heart was in their treasure. And it was over. I'm going to tell you something. For a Christian, we can lose everything we have. And some have. Just on our own west coast, right? I mean, on the west side of Georgia, some of those homes totally gone. Absolutely. And um, in Florida, the east coast there, gone. Some homes totally gone. But you know what? I still have my life. I still have my Lord. So it's important for you to take these four practical steps. Because if you do these, you will protect yourself and insulate yourself from the storm that is absolutely coming. But you can hear this message right now. You can let it go in one ear and out the other. You can refuse to take it to heart. And in two years, you'll be just, you'll be deeper than you are right now. But on the other hand, if you listen to this, you say, you know what? I'm going to get my, I'm going to let go. I'm going to let go. I'm going to pull my hand back out of that box. And me and my spouse are going to sit down and we are going to make us a plan that we can live with and we are absolutely getting out of debt. Most people can do it within three years or four at the most. Kelly, I take about four. Deeper you are in, the longer it takes. But baby, five more months, and I'm going to do me a Pentecostal dance. Y'all with me? That's right. And then I'm going to figure out how to do the same thing with the truck in the house, and I'm going to live free. God helping me. If God says, give this person $1,000, I want to be able to do it. If I feel compelled to God. Some of you have felt compelled to do some things that you absolutely couldn't do because either, number one, you didn't have the money or you didn't have the faith. But if you was debt free, you could have done it. More than likely. So uh, it's up to you. Hebrews 13 and 5 said, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I'll never fail you, and I'll never abandon you. Stand with me. I'll never fail you, and I'll never abandon you. So I wonder if you're here. I, I've, I've laid them steps out. Maybe we can put those steps back up there to prioritize Get out of debt. Small things, don't let that get you. 
disciplining yourself in small ways, and then living generously. Uh, discover the joy of generosity. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let me ask you, if you're here right now and the financial storm is upon you, can I see your hand? Great number of people fighting the financial storm. I'm telling you, that storm does not have to destroy you. I'm telling you, if you'll be faithful to God, follow the principles I've laid out, you can be insulated from the storm and you can live through it because you're on a solid foundation. So let me pray for you right now. Father, for these that have raised their hands, admitting, and that's the first step to getting better is admitting where we are. They raised their hand and said, I'm in the middle of a financial storm. I pray, Lord, right now that you would give them the courage to make the decision. I'm going to prioritize. I'm going to put the things first that's supposed to be first. A good example of that is tithe is God's money. It's first. And then obviously you got to have groceries. Obviously you got to have a place to lay your head, rent, or, or, um, or, or your house payment. Obviously, you need to pay the power bill and the water bill. Obviously, you've got to get to work. So if you have a car payment, you need to pay that. So you think about those things logically. You do not have to have uh, 47, you know, different satellites tuned into your house. The, the football package and this package and that. Those things are great if you can do it. But if you can't, you don't have to have three or four cell phones. Whatever you have to do. You don't have to eat out with the buddies every day at work, $10, $12. You certainly don't have to drink on Friday night or Saturday. You can start cutting right there. And then you're going to have to ask God to help you every day. God, help me. Help me to be faithful today. Help me to follow through today. Help me. And if you'll do that, God will help you. You'll turn around in six months or so. And say, oh my goodness, I cannot believe what a difference has happened in my life. Lord, let it be. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen.